Many of you have asked me about this today, so I'm just going to address it up front. It is true. Today is my birthday. Thank you so much. And so, oh, oh, got like a, got a golf clap round of applause there. That was great. Um, and, you know, one of the things that was interesting, because we celebrated over the weekend, and as I was blowing out the candles on my cake, the one thing I wished for was for the announcements at this church to get better. Didn't come true. And so uh, we're still suffering through that every single week. But anyway, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. Thanks so much for being here today um, on this rainy July Sunday. Let me just give that for you guys, because I mean, like, it's South Florida. People don't go out in the rain, but you guys are out. So I am, like, thrilled about that. But we are here, and we're kind of smack dab in the middle of this four-week talk, conversation, series, whatever you want to call it, called Greatest Hits. And what we're doing, and and let me just kind of preface this. If you're new to the local church, or maybe you haven't been in church in a while, or maybe you've been around church for your entire life, I don't know wherever you're at, but more than likely, even if you have a very limited experience with church, you've probably heard the verses that we're going to talk about in this series. You've probably heard them maybe from a grandparent, or you've seen a painting of one of them somewhere. You've probably probably heard about these greatest hits, these, some of the most famous passages in the entire scripture, right? These famous passages in this scripture are what we're going to land on for the next couple of Sundays. And I got to tell you, last week was almost like completely transformative for some people. I had some conversations after last week, and I think this week is just going to hit us right smack dab between the eyes, right where we need to be hit, okay? Because we've been asking a question related to these verses, related to where we're at at Downtown Harbor Church, specifically because we had our first baptism service here a couple of Sundays ago. It was really cool. Some people got baptized. 11 people were baptized. It was a really powerful day. But we started to ask ourselves a question after that Sunday, and it was such a cool question. And it's a question that we've always kind of internally asked, but never verbally asked it, like with all of us together. And here's the question. If I am a follower of Jesus, what should I look like? Because we've seen a lot of people who claim to be followers of Jesus, and actually their life doesn't look anything like the life of Jesus. And so if we are a follower of Jesus, who we believe to be this risen Messiah to a broken world, what should I look like? Furthermore, not only what should I look like from the outside or inside, but what does my day-to-day look like? How do I operate with my spouse? How do I operate with my family? How do I operate at my job? How do I operate in my community, specifically when issues arise? Because we talked about that last week, that issues are going to come up in our life, and we're going to have to deal with stuff. So what does day-to-day operational behavior look like? And so one of the things that we did was with one of these greatest hits is we looked at this verse. And last week, we kind of went through the first eight of these things that I'm going to talk about. And this week, we're going to land on kind of the final one, which we're going to talk about this entire Sunday. And I got to tell you, I think it's going to be transformative for every single person in this room right where they're at. Because in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, you saw this if you were here last week, but here's what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then self-control. Against such things there is no law. So let me talk about this verse for a second. Let me give you context if you're catching up or you're new around here, which is so cool. A guy by the name of Paul, one of the founders of the Christian faith almost, a guy who hated Christians, wanted to kill them, and then had an encounter with Jesus where his life was changed, became a follower of Christ, he wrote this letter to an early church in the town of Galatia, okay? A town that is in the northwest, like modern-day area of Turkey, the country of Turkey in the Middle East. He wrote them this letter because they were doing some stuff wrong, and this is one of the verses in those letters that he wrote to those Galatians, right? And last week, we talked about those first eight, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. But I stopped and I said, we're not going to talk about the ninth one. 
because I'm going to save that for next week. And boy, we're going to dive in to this topic this week. And the scripture tells us about one of the fruits of the Spirit, and it is self-control. And so with self-control, what do we do related to self-control? It's this idea that, don't miss this, it's this idea that we have the ability in our own life to control our own actions. And God says through the scriptures that one of the fruits of the Spirit, when you say yes to following after Jesus, one of the things that you should exhibit in your life is self-control, right? And I truly believe that self-control is such a key thing for us to understand and realize and absorb because self-control actually has the ability, don't miss this, self-control actually has the ability to make or break our lives. And I believe this about self-control. I actually believe that self-control is listed last because it's the most difficult. And in, in my career in ministry, right, the number one thing that I've seen people deal with is I've sat across the table from them, as I've had coffee with them, as I've had dinner with them, and I've, as I've heard their stories, self-control is the one thing that just is the most difficult thing for people to do, right? Because I believe this. This is what I believe about self-control. Self-control is so difficult because self-control is directly related to temptation, Okay? So in our lives, we could agree on this, is that every single one of us in this room struggles with temptation to do things that we know that we shouldn't against God, against our family, against our... We know that we all deal with temptation. And what's so cool about this is that what you struggle with, your temptation, is different than my temptation. All of our temptations are different in this room. But self-control is directly related to those, but each one of us in life is tempted, don't miss this, differently. Self-control is directly related to temptation because what happens is this. We get tempted, right? We get tempted to do something that we know we shouldn't. And here's the line, right? This is the line of temptation, the line of sin. And what we do is, instead of staying as far away from that line as we can, we tend to get as close as we can without going over the line, exhibiting non-self-control related to temptation. And boy, oh boy, I don't know if you know anything about me, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but um, I grew up in the Midwest, okay? So I grew up in a small town in the state of Michigan, right? Right here. Anybody who does not point at their hand from the state and lives in the state of Michigan is a liar. They don't live there, right? Because you have to point at your hand and like show where you live in the state. And so you've got to be the right hand as well. I lived in a little town called Temperance, okay? And I got to tell you something. Temptation in Temperance, right, was not like temptation in South Florida, I don't know if you know this about South Florida, but have you looked around lately? Like, I mean, it's interesting to live down here. So temptation for all of us who live in South Florida, it's a different thing down here than it is in any, versus any other part of the country. Let me tell you about a couple of the things that I've seen people struggle with down here in South Florida. And some of us probably struggle with these exact same things. Here's the first one. Materialism, right? I gotta, if, if you think that people in South Florida don't struggle with materialism, you got another thing coming, okay? There are more Louis Vuittons per capita in this county than any place in, like, the whole world. Maybe Paris. Like, I mean, but other than Paris, like, it's Broward County and Dade County, right? They're, they're, people got their dogs in their bags down here, like, all over the place. Like, they're just walking. Mean, they, they, people here have strollers for their dogs, right? Like, and I'm just going, well, you got to be kidding. And some of us have strollers for our dogs, right? I get it, right? But we struggle down here in South Florida with materialism, temptation, okay? Here's another thing that I just feel like we struggle with in South Florida, sexuality, right? 
It's everywhere. Like you drive down the beach, right? I mean, like there are people, I mean, no people don't, I don't think people down here have heard of clothing. Like, I don't know if it's like one of the, it's just everywhere, right? The sexuality is just everywhere. And then another thing is that people struggle with down here, partying. Like there are no parties like I've seen down here going on in Sioux City, Iowa. It's just not happening, right? They don't, they don't exist up there. And so like, and I mean, someone said to me one time, you want to go down to South Beach for a party? I was like, no, who stays up till 3 a.m.? Like, I mean, I go to bed, right? But we deal with temptations down here in a different way, right? And so, actually, the reason we put those three things on the screen is because after this message series, we're actually kicking off a new three-week conversation, and we're going to be titling it this. We're going to be titling it Surviving South Florida, which I think is so important for us to understand. And sometimes here at DHC, we'll actually like preach or like talk like through a book of the scripture, and sometimes we'll do something like this because we see our people like struggling and dealing with things. And so, like we've just looked around, and I've looked at my own life, and I'm like, we need to like have a Surviving South Florida series. So we're going to do that. Okay. So, okay, related to self-control, going back, looking at our temptations and looking at what we go through, knowing this is a fruit of the Spirit and this should be an outward expression of our faith in Jesus, um, this idea of self-control. How do we do that? I started to ask myself, how can we practice self-control? What can help us get that done? How do we actually do that? If that's something that the Apostle Paul said that should be reflective of a Christian's life, how do we then begin to practice, on self, practice self-control? Well, I just believe a couple of things. I believe this first. Reliance on God and the scriptures can help you practice self-control. So understanding that God is big and he's real and you can rely on him and that God's word is there for us to rely on, and that word is alive and well in our lives, when we do that, we can practice self-control because the scriptures tell us a lot about self-control. It's not just in that one verse. The scriptures tell us that a lack of self-control leads to a what? Reckless life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a reckless life. And there are moments where I've had one, and it's not fun. And we deal with stuff related to a reckless life. And I'm going to talk about that at the end. But the scriptures tell us that a lack of self-control leads to a reckless life. In fact, in Proverbs, uh, the book 25, Proverbs 25, 28, right, chapter 25, it says this. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, you may think, well, what does that mean? Like a city with broken down walls. Like we don't have that anymore in our day and age, so it doesn't necessarily mean anything to us because our cities don't have walls around them. But in the scripture, times when the scripture was written, right, cities used a wall to protect it. They were very vulnerable if they did not have a wall. They were like weak. People could prey on them. And they said a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. And so we want to make sure to practice self-control in our life. And I'm going to talk about what that looks like in the next few minutes. But we started to ask another question because we asked the first question, hey, if I am a follower of Jesus, right? And by the way, just so you know, if you have not done that yet, if you are not a follower of Jesus, A, we want you here. You're welcome here. This is a place for you. But it was the single best decision in my life that I've ever made was to say yes to Jesus. And so you should do that. Invite him into your heart and life. It will change your life forever. But we started to ask another question. If I am a follower of Jesus, what should my life look like? And then we asked this question, how can I grow spiritually? 
furthermore, how do I know if I'm growing spiritually? What can I do? A lot of us are new to following Jesus around here. So we're like, hey, if I'm going to do this, how do I know if I'm growing spiritually? I don't know what that looks like in my life. Adam, what do I do, right? We've said this about the fruits of the Spirit last week, and we're going to say it again about self-control. Use self-control as a barometer for your spiritual growth, meaning... If you're lashing out a lot, if you have no self-control, and we're going to give some examples in just a second, if you have no self-control, you can probably know that you're not growing spiritually. But if you stay far away from that line, if you don't get anywhere close to that line, that line that we call sin, temptation, you can know that you're probably experiencing spiritual growth. But then, because I like to ask questions, I started to ask myself even another question. And this was the question, because self-control is so difficult. How, day-to-day, can you get better at self-control? How can you do this? So if you're saying, this, Adam, in a lot of areas of my life, even the ones that you've already put up there, I struggle with. I want to get better at that. How can you get better at self-control? Well, I believe that this is a key to all of our lives and doing this consistently and practically. I believe that a good thing to do is to set some spiritual disciplines for yourself, right? What are those spiritual disciplines? What do they look like? Well, number one, you're here. So that's a great thing. Just being a part of a local church is a great thing to not only be in community with each other, but to get to know each other for some accountability. It is a great thing to be a part of a local church. But you can also start by reading the scripture. Maybe you've never picked it up. And it doesn't have to be a book in this day and age, just so you know. There's more Bible apps than I've ever seen on your phone or your iPad, right? Maybe you just pick up the scripture every once in a while. Maybe it's every day for you. Maybe you need that kind of consistency in your life. I don't know what that means for you. And you just kind of go through it because I believe that God's word is alive and well and can permeate our hearts and change our life. Maybe you just need to pick up the scripture and read the scripture every once in a while. Maybe if you're not a reader, because some people are not readers and they're listeners or they're visual people, right? Maybe you need to listen to a podcast. There's some awesome podcasts out there that can really help transform what you do if you listen to them, right? There are good things. Maybe you need to listen to a podcast if you're struggling with self-control. And then finally, maybe you need to spend some time in prayer. Prayer is this idea that you can communicate with God and that he will hear you and change your life from the inside out. Maybe you need help with an issue in your life and you just need to sit down and pray about it. And you need to get that out there, and you need to actually experience prayer, right? Because I'll tell you this. I believe this with all my heart. When you do these things, don't miss this. When you do these things that I just said, read the scripture, prayer, church, the whole, like, you will get better at self-control, right? You will get better at self-control. Now, one of the things that I've expressed from this stage before is that my entire kind of history in church was all wrapped up in spiritual disciplines, going, this is what you need to do, you're going to focus on this. I said the problem that I had with only focusing on spiritual disciplines was Jesus talked a lot about love, and I didn't hear anything about love growing up in the local church, but Jesus said we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then go out and love our neighbor as ourself. So then I asked myself another question. I said, is this about disciplines, like faith in general, or about love? What, what is this about? What are we wrapped up in here as we try to go through our personal lives and try to deal with this? And I can only come to one conclusion, and I think this is very true. Disciplines and love aren't mutually exclusive. You can have both. 
which is great, which is cool. But here's one of the things that I also came to the conclusion of. It's just hard to love to the best of your ability when you have no discipline. When you are a city without walls around it, as Proverbs describe, it's hard to do what Jesus tells us to do. You know why? Because we talked about it last week. Love is difficult. Love is a choice. Love is not the easiest thing in the world to do. You have to choose to love. But when you actually have some disciplines in your life, you might make some better decisions. You might actually make some wiser decisions. And you might actually be able to love more, as Jesus calls us to do. So here's a question. What happens when we don't practice self-control? So we kind of have this idea of self-control, right? And then we have, okay, if we mess up, because I will tell you this, there is going to come a time, if your life is spiraling out of control in some way and you don't have self-control related to whatever issue is going on in your life, because as I said, all of our temptations are different, I guarantee you this, though. Very few things do I guarantee, but I'm going to guarantee this. If you do not have self-control related to certain issues, there will come a time when someone, and they should, who is accountability for you or a friend for you, they're going to pull you aside, and they're going to go, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your husband, I don't know what it looks like for you, but they're going to pull you aside, and they're going to go, hey, you got some stuff going on, and we need to deal with it. Could be related to money, could be related to drinking, could be related to party, I don't know what that looks like for you, it's going to be all different, right? But oftentimes then, when someone pulls us aside, something else happens, when someone tries to hold us accountable, when our lives are out of control, something else begins to happen. When we do not practice self-control, oftentimes when we don't practice self-control, it comes out in what? Anger. So there's a vicious cycle here from self-control all the way to anger and all of it's ugly because I don't know anybody who's been pulled aside and said, hey, you got a problem in your life who has like really taken that well, going, oh, man, this is great. Thanks for pulling me aside and telling me that I'm a, you know, idiot. Hey, I appreciate it. Like, no, you're mad. You're going, don't talk to me like that. What do you mean? I, I'm not that way. It oftentimes leads to anger, right? And we've talked about anger around here before and the powerful emotion that is anger. We've seen Jesus even get angry in a good way. We've talked about anger. And anger is a powerful emotion. And you need to learn to harness it properly. Because when you have a lack of self-control, and you're spiraling, and that ends up over here in anger, man, can your life get really, really, really messed up. And i got to tell you something. I'm sick and tired of meeting with people across the table from me whose lives are messed up. I've done it for the past 15 years, and it's heartbreaking. That's why we've got to get this right. That's why self-control is so important, because you know, we don't want it to lead to anger. Anger can start to destroy us and ruin our lives. In the book of James, it talks about anger. In James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, it says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. It doesn't. It doesn't produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in, our, in, your, in your hearts, for it is the power to do what? Save your souls. See, because self-control is so key to us understanding what's on the line. So what happens when we don't practice self-control? What happens when we don't practice self-control? Don't miss this. This is key. And this is going to get personal. Don't, just don't, don't, under, don't misunderstand this. Like, just, this is just going to get personal just for a second, okay? When you don't practice self-control, what will happen to your life is you will have massive, massive regret. 
massive regret. And you know what? Every single person in this room in their own way is dealing with their own issues related to self-control. You have them. And you, related to self-control, will deal, when you don't have self-control, you'll deal with massive, massive regret. Ask anyone who's cheated on their spouse. Ask anyone who made a large purchase when they knew they shouldn't have. Ask anyone who drank too much one night and made some really bad choices. Ask anyone. And you know what they'll tell you? What was I thinking? Why did I, why did I do that? And you know what? They probably think about it a lot, almost every single day. And all is related to this. It's all related to self-control, a downward spiral that can end up in anger. And what powerful emotions that we have to avoid. But I'll tell you this. God is with us. And he can help us through this. I don't just believe this because I've experienced it in my own life. I believe this because the scripture tells us this. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this. It's so key. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Wow. And God is faithful. Then he goes this. He says this. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can what? Endure. You know what this verse means at the end of the day? We all have the ability to have self-control with God in our life. We all have the ability to practice self-control because he is with us. He, won't, he's, he said, you got a way out. It's me. Don't, don't go down that path. I, I'm with you. I, I won't ever give you more than you can handle. I got you. But so often we turn the other way and don't look at this. And we go, well, I can't, you know, really experience this. I'm too tempted. It's something that's destroying my life. I'm just going to do it anyway, just because. God will not allow you to experience any temptation that you can't get out of if we just trust in him and allow him to permeate our lives and hearts. And so every week at Downtown Harbor Church, if you're new around here, we put a word on the screen because we think a lot of churches um, across our country and our world really don't communicate a clear message, being blunt. And what we want to always do at DHC is be as clear as we possibly can. We want you to hear something on Sunday and know exactly what to do on Monday. So what's the practical? We put this on the screen every single week. What's the practical for your life? What should you do? You've heard this message, and a lot of you are probably sitting here, and when I was writing it, I was sitting there thinking about my own life, right? And I said, okay, what can I do related to this for self-control? How do I go about my day-to-day -day now, right? Here's just a couple of things you can do. Number one, take inventory of where you think your weak spots are, okay? I'm going to tell you about a weak spot in my life and get kind of really personal, and so some of you, after you hear this, like, you might not even want to come back here because you're going to just get an insight into my heart and you're going, that guy's a mess and I don't need to go back and listen to him anymore at the museum. Like, I'll go look at the gators downstairs or the snakes, but I don't want to go listen to him. But I want to tell you about a weak spot in my life. Goldfish. Not the fish, the snack crackers, okay? I got a problem with goldfish. Um, I, I know it's, it's a real deal, um, but like, I mean, I could eat the whole bag sitting down. Like, I really could. And so, like, I mean, and they're stocked in the fridge, or not the fridge, in the, in the pantry, right? We don't put them in the fridge. Um, but, so they're there, and I had a real problem with goldfish. And so as I was, like, looking through my life, I'm like, I'm going to deal with the goldfish issue this week. The whole bag is not going to be eaten. I'm only going to eat half the bag as we deal with the goldfish, right? That is a joke, okay? But I do struggle with goldfish because they're my favorite snack. And if you didn't know this about me, I might have turned 35 today, but I'm a 9-year-old on the inside, and I only eat crackers and chips. So that's an extra special glimpse into my life, okay? Take inventory of where you think your weak spots are because you have them and yours are different than mine 
and yours are different than the person sitting next to you. Take inventory of where you think your weak spots are. And then as you do that, do this. Think about the way you make decisions. Process in your mind the way that you make decisions, right? As you think about decisions and how you make every one of them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to filter those decisions. Here's another practical. Filter those decisions through what? Wisdom. So society, culture, will tell us, hey, is this right or is this wrong? Is this legal or is this permissible? Is this good or is this bad? We think those are bad questions. We say related to you, in light of your past experiences, your present circumstances, and your current hopes and dreams, we say this, what is the wise thing to do? Based on you. You have your own unique temptations in your life. Based on you. Filter those decisions through wisdom. So, how many people in the room have ever seen the movie Liar, Liar? Okay, Jim Carrey, okay, seen Liar, Liar? Okay, it was a classic. I think it's a very good film. There's one thing that he says in the movie to a client after he can't lie anymore that I can't say from this stage because there are children in in the room in the building. However, he basically tells his client what I'm about to put on the screen. And I am rarely, rarely this blunt with this group of people in this room. But I believe that God has ordained all of us being here for a long time in this room together, doing life together. And here's what I want you to know from the bottom of my heart. This is what I want everyone in this room to do related to self-control, right? Go back and watch Liar Liar because it's a lot more graphic in that movie than I'm about to say it. Here's what it is. Refrain from doing very dumb things that could ruin your life. Stop it. Knock it off. It's not worth it. Your family matters. Your life matters. That's why self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. That's why it's in there. Because I truly believe that God sent his son Jesus so that we could be rescued, not only so we can get to the next life, but because he wants us to live here and now as well. Quit it. Stop doing dumb things that could ruin your life. And I truly believe at the end of the day that when we understand what self-control really is, When we understand that when we get this right, that our lives can be better, our families can be better, our marriages can be better, our communities will be better, that we would want this. But I also believe, as I said when we started, it's at the end because it's the most difficult. And every single one of us in this room struggle in a different way related to self-control. That's why it's there. But that doesn't mean we have to continue to struggle. That means we might be able to start getting it right. Right here at DHC. Self-control is difficult. But you will have fewer regrets in your life when you learn, fewer regrets when you learn to control your life. If you just, if we just got this, right, things would be different. Self-control is difficult. It's, it, gang, it is the worst, right? Why? Because who just doesn't want to act a fool, right? We just do. It's difficult. But you will have fewer regrets when you learn to control your life. And really, at the end of the day, I don't need to say anything else. Because right where you're at, God's going to convict your own heart. And you're going to understand what it looks like in your own life, right where you're at. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this powerful verse in Galatians that we've landed on for two straight weeks. Rarely do we ever do that at DHC. But it was so powerful and so important that I just felt like we needed to do it and you led my heart in that way. And so God, I just pray that every single person in this room who would hear this, who deals with the issues that I'm talking about from this stage today, you speaking to your people, Would you guide them in this process? Help them. Help them to live with fewer regret. Help them to live day by day 
with self-control being a part of their life so that we collectively can do better in your name and your honor. Jesus, will be quick to give you all the glory. We love you. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.